I realized early on that the call of God at 16 was on my life. 19 is when I really began to preach. I'm 40 years old now, uh, and I love ministry more now than I ever have. Uh, and that, not to make it sound like I hated it for years, and now I love it. I've loved it my whole life. In fact, somebody was asking me the other day, he said, what was it like growing up at Bethany when you were a kid? And I just have one word, Disney World. That's all I thought Bethany was the greatest thing that ever happened. I saw miracles. I felt the anointing. We had guest speakers come through. I got to ride in their Cadillacs. I mean, it was awesome. Go out to eat late at night and sit around and be with men and women of God. I love being a PK and I love the ministry. And then I went into the ministry and I've loved the ministry. And one of the reasons I love the ministry so much is because I love the move of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit moves, you just never know what's going to happen. And that's fun to me. Uh, it's not predictable. And so, uh, yeah, it's just an honor to be here. Thank you, Pastor Mike, so much. You and Sean and the whole team. Just thank you for, for trusting me to come tonight and share. And uh, so it's good to be here. I want you to turn over to John chapter 5 with me. John chapter 5. When I get to do a, a service like this where the Holy Spirit is going to be ministering to people and where I get to teach on uh, particularly the subject of healing... I really, really take it seriously and really enjoy it. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, a little bit of my testimony. I grew up in an amazing home, as I mentioned, an amazing church. Everything was great. I went on a missions trip at 12 years old to Russia. I came back and caught something, and my kidneys began to malfunction. And the doctor said, oh, it won't be that big a deal. It probably won't affect me later in life. Well, Later in life came at 16, and my kidneys just totally shut down. And so I found myself at 16 years old uh, in the hospital, total kidney failure, put on dialysis, and thrust into a lifestyle that no kid should have to live in, conditions, what I had to do. And that began a long, long war with uh, me and the devil over my health. And that battle has raged now for 24 years this month. August 25th, it'll be 24 years since I was placed on kidney dialysis. And I've had a transplant. I've been on and off dialysis. And uh, it has really been a battle for me. I've had over 100 procedures. I've been in the hospital over a calendar year. I mean, I could just go on and on and on the battle. And I know, I mean, I look so healthy and good looking up here. You would never know take that devil. But uh, it has been a battle for me in that arena. So whenever I get an opportunity to declare the healing power of Jesus Christ, it's like giving a black eye to the devil for me. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So when uh, Pastor Sean reached out to me about coming tonight, I was like a, not just a yes, but a double yes, just a, a yes and amen in my spirit. And this week, uh, I've been just seeking the Lord. And, you know, as a minister, sometimes you wrestle with what to minister on. And then there's other times where it's like heaven just kind of just sends you a telegram and it's like done. 
And this word tonight just dropped in my spirit. And I, I, it was just like in prayer, it just came to me. And I began to meditate on it. I began to pray over it. And I want to share it with you. And in closing this word tonight, there's going to be a lot of things that God's been teaching me. I'm always wanting to learn. I'm always wanting to grow. I'm wanting to build my faith. And tonight, I want to do the same thing for you. I want to see your faith built. Everything that we have in the kingdom of God is accessed by faith. I want you to write that down. If you've got an iPad, iPhone, whatever it is you've got, write that down. Everything God has for you will only be accessed by faith. There is no other way to please God. There is no other way to access. When you get saved, you get saved by what? Faith. That's right. It's through grace. God's grace gives us the ability, but our faith says yes to his grace. That's how it happens. And I'm not going to preach on Ephesians 2, 8, but I can. I love it. But faith, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, all you got to do is just step out by faith and receive the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in other tongues. Everything God has, if you want to walk in the prosperity of God, if you want to walk in the divine health of God, it's all there. It's all paid for. When Jesus died on the cross, he did not announce to the world, it is almost finished except this or that. He said, it is finished. In fact, I want to submit to you tonight, God has done everything he's going to do for you and I. He's done everything he's going to do for us. Now it's left up to us to lay hold of it by faith. And maybe that, maybe that kind of challenges your thinking. I hope it does because, you know, the thing that stops us from walking by faith, the Bible says that the, the just or the righteous shall live by faith. The thing that keeps us from walking by faith, receiving by faith, is that four-inch space in between your ears that's got some gray matter that always has something to say contrary to the faith of God. It's called reason. And reason is not the friend of faith, it's the enemy of faith. And the Bible says that we serve a God who calls those things that are not as though they were. Now that doesn't make sense. It calls those things that are not as though they were. And in my situation, in my health, I call myself healed, even though the doctor says, you got major things going on. But I don't listen to the doctor. I listen to the word. And I continue to call. And at 20 years of age, my doctors called me in with my parents and said, Joel has six weeks to live. If he'll stay in the bed, take his medicine and do his treatments, like we say, he'll have six months. Best case scenario, six months. Call the family, get them around, let them spend as much time with him as he can. He's done. It wasn't like, oh, he's got a 20% chance to live or no, 0% chance. This is what's going to happen. Six weeks to live. Best case scenario, six months. Now, when you're 20 years old, that's not what you want to hear. You know, if you're 95, you maybe could accept that. I don't know. I might still wouldn't accept it then. You know, you got to have some ornery in you too. Come on, somebody. 
And I remember sitting across that doctor's, that desk they had called us into, the, the, uh, the head of our nephrology clinic, his office. They wanted to make it feel important because my family kind of had a reputation among the doctors as being what they would call cantankerous. <laughs> we didn't just accept stuff. So they wanted us to know that no matter what you think, this is what's going to happen. This is fact. Deal with it. So they had us meet with the big wig, and he told us, and he said everything. And right out of my spirit, man, came a verse from Psalm 118, and I pointed my little bony finger at him. I was 6'5", 127 pounds, soaking wet. I had to run around in the shower to get wet. And I stuck my bony finger across that desk at him and said, I will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Now I remember he put his hands up and said, oh, here it is. Here they go. <laughs> and you know what? That's exactly right. Here we went and here we are 20 years later. I'm 40 years old and not planning on dying anytime soon. I'm planning on living a long, full life. I'm thinking 90 minimum. I'm going to be married to my wife for 60 years and I told her, I said, love, when we get old enough, I said, I'm going to let you go on to heaven. I'm going to hang around, get everything settled, and then I'll come up there and meet you. That's how long I plan on living. And so poor Dr. Kenny was his name. He just was dead wrong. Actually, he was life wrong because here I am living. And uh, I was in Baton Rouge recently, and I saw... I saw one of the doctors in that clinic uh, came through a clinic that I was at, and I said, how's Dr. Kenny doing? He said, oh, he's doing good. You know, he's been retired for about 10 years. I said, well, if you see him, tell him Joel Stockstill said hello. <laughs> Just to be a little ornery. Yeah. I've been on this journey of faith. For 25 years, my journey began early at 16 when kidney failure set in. I was thrust into the walk of faith maybe earlier than most, and I began to fight for my life. And this fight has not been an easy fight. And so uh, when, when I come to you tonight, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to minister to you for a few moments, and then we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and begin to move in this place. We're, we're not just here to educate you or inform you. We're here to see the manifestation of the Spirit of God. But, but when I'm asked to speak on the subject of healing, healing is not one of those things where I pull out from my seminary notes and, and put together a nice little sweet message on healing and, and deliver it. No, 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 no. This is very personal to me. This is something that I have been wrestling with, battling with, fighting with. I've been fighting the good fight of faith with this revelation for a long time. And God continues to teach me about divine faith, about divine healing, about his great love and desire to heal his children. And uh, I want to pick up here in John chapter 5 verse 2, and I'm going to read through verse 6. Now there is in Jerusalem, I'm reading from the ESV translation, by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, 
which has five roofed colonnades, and in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. That's a long time, 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time. Aren't you glad Jesus is well aware of your situation? I just love that. When, when you get in John chapter 11 and the story of Lazarus, it, it says this multiple times in the gospel of John. Jesus knew. He knows. He said to the man, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Now, that seems like a strange question, doesn't it? Think about it. 38 years, this man's been an invalid, probably living by begging. Uh, One of the terms that's used a lot in the medical world is quality of life. Quality of life. And uh, I can just imagine that this man, for 38 years as an invalid, had about as low a quality of life as is humanly possible. And there he is laying, and the Pool of Bethesda was a place where the water would be troubled about once a year. They would say an angel would come down and trouble the water, and whoever got in the water first would be healed. Well, this man being an invalid was at a disadvantage. He couldn't get in the water. And uh, he needed somebody to help him, but he didn't have anybody to help him. And so it was this vicious cycle, and he, no telling how many people he had watched in that amount of time. The water would get troubled, they would get in the water, they would get healed, and he would be sitting there so close to a miracle, but yet not having anything happen in his body. I, I, I empathize with this man. I put myself in that scenario. He probably was on a, uh, an old mat or something that was just old and dingy and we can't even really imagine in our modern context as we sit in this beautiful building with air conditioning and thank God for air conditioning right now. I don't think any of us would be here if we, if we didn't have that beautiful air conditioning working. But he was sitting there year after year, month after month, day after day, no one to put him in. So Jesus comes along and asks him this question that I think we all need to be confronted with tonight by Jesus. Jesus said, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Now, maybe for you, maybe you don't need a healing. Praise God, I praise God if you don't need a healing. But maybe you need a financial breakthrough. Maybe the question for you tonight is, do you want to be blessed? Maybe tonight the question is, do you want to be reconciled with that son or daughter you've been estranged from? Maybe the question for you tonight is, do you want to be delivered? Maybe you find yourself bound by an addiction and and it feels hopeless and you seem like you can never get past it. I, I don't know what it is that you're particularly dealing with tonight, but I know something at having pastored and been around the ministry my whole life. I know that everybody is dealing with something. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so let me just jog your your thinking a little bit and, and say, what is it that you need God to do that maybe you really don't think he wants to do for you? 
Or maybe it doesn't have anything to do with you not thinking God doesn't want to do it for you. Maybe you just think there's reasons why you don't qualify for him to do it for you. There's always something. And and look what the man said. So remember what Jesus just asked. Do you want to be healed? Now, the right answer to that is very simple. It's one word and it has three letters and it goes like this. Yes. If you wanted to make it a little bit better and honoring, you could say, yes, sir. But there's not much more needed than yes. Do you want to be healed? I can just imagine if Jesus walked in here tonight in the flesh and he appeared to us and he asked me, Joel, do you want to be healed in your physical body? He wouldn't, I wouldn't even need the in your physical body. I wouldn't even need any government. Before he could get it out, I would, yes. But you know what? We all think we would respond that way, but so many times we don't. Look at this guy. The sick man, remember? He's sick, 38 years. The sick man, he has no other option. He can't get healed any other way. Here's Jesus, do you want to be healed? And what does he say? Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Think about this. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be restored? Do you want to be delivered? Do you want to be reconciled? Whatever it is that you're facing, Jesus asks us, do you want that? And instead of just answering with childlike, simple faith, yes, I don't understand how, I don't understand when, I don't understand, there's a lot about it I don't understand, but Lord, I just believe, I believe, yes. We always begin rehearsing to God the reasons why we can't have what he has freely offered to us. I'm, oh man, I have done it over and over again so many areas of my life. As I was studying this this week and praying on it, I was getting convicted myself. I just thought, Lord, why would anybody not just say yes to the master? Why? Why would anybody? But then I began to think back through situations in my life where I've done the very same thing. And of course, you think, well, Jesus never showed up to me. Oh, but he has. Oh, but he has. The master has shown up time and time again. He has shown up. He has come to us. His presence, his word through preaching, through times where we're with him, through worship songs even that we have sung out of our mouth. And the master has shown up and said, do you want blank? And we've, we've done like Moses did. I remember in Exodus chapter 2, God showed up to Moses. God said, Moses, I'm going to use you to deliver the children of Israel. 
what did Moses do? He, he started cranking up the excuse lawnmower. But, 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 and you know what? We can look at that. It's so funny when it's somebody else. We can look at it and go, man, that's so stupid. <laughs> we know the whole story. We, we know Moses went back and delivered Israel with amazing signs and wonders, 10 plagues, split the Red Sea, brought the children of Israel out, built the tabernacle, saw God face to face. He didn't know any of that when God showed up to him in the burning bush. How many times have we missed the miraculous because of excuses that have no bearing on an almighty God? Man, how many times ha have we said, Lord, I know that you can, but in my situation, there's some things you need to know. Have you ever explained something to God? <laughs> I don't know how many times I've explained something to God. And the Lord says, I'm about to do this. He said, yeah, but Lord, Lord, I mean, you don't even. The Lord says, hey, I'm about, to, I'm about to bless you financially. And we say, but Lord, I've got this boss. And he is so terrible. And the Lord's sitting up there like, oh, yeah, would have never known. You know, I'm about to give you divine hell. Yeah, but Lord, you see this blood test I got from the doctor? It says right here that this level and that level. We start explaining to God the situation. And, and there's always good reasons. Remember, reason and faith do not go together. They don't go together. Because anything that makes perfect sense doesn't require faith. If, if I'm a billionaire and I tell you I'm going to give you $1,000, well, you don't need any faith. You go, hey, he's a billionaire. He's got lots of thousands, many, 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 many thousands, and he can give me 1000 But if you don't know me and I tell you that, you have to have faith that I'm going to come through with that. This is what we do to God. We... We want reason to work in the realm of God, and it doesn't. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible. That doesn't say you might or you may or some of the, no, impossible to please God without faith. You have to believe that he exists, which we've got a whole world of people now, they don't even believe he exists. They figured out how to just add about 20 billion years and everything is explains itself because there's just been enough time to go from goo to you by way of the zoo. I don't subscribe to that. I believe God exists. I believe in the beginning God said, let there be light and there was light. Where was it coming from? The sun wasn't even created till the fourth day. I don't know. There was light. When he said it, there was light. I believe he exists, and I believe he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Who diligently seek him. 
Now, I just take him at his words. I'm just going to diligently seek him. He exists and he rewards. I'm taking my faith. Somebody say, have you ever seen Jesus? No. Nope. I, I have not. In fact, I haven't even gone to Israel and see the tomb where they say he was resurrected. I don't need to. One day I may make it over there, but if I don't make it over there, it doesn't make one bit of difference. You know why? I believe. And therefore, I receive because I believe. You can't receive if you don't believe. You can't say, well, I'm a questioner. You mean <laughs> you're somebody who's not going to receive from the Lord because you have to believe to receive. So we got this question, do you want to be healed? And we got an answer from the guy. I'm, I'm paraphrasing his answer to Jesus, no. 38 years, invalid. Do you want to be healed? No. That's really what he was saying. He didn't need all that. I don't have somebody to put me in the water. We didn't need all of that. All we just needed was a yes. It wasn't, it wasn't a multiple choice question. It was a true or false, yes or no. He, he was on the wrong test. It was a yes or no question. What did Jesus say? Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once, the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. At once, the man was healed. Faith always requires action. It always requires action. Sometimes that action is with your mouth using your words coming into alignment with the word of God. Sometimes it's a literal action, a step that you have to take. That's sometimes why uh, we give altar calls because people need to take a step of faith and say, yes, I respond. Whether it's by raising their hands or coming to the front, whatever it is, that action denotes that faith has been released. Now, I know today a lot of churches, they don't do altar calls anymore, and they just tell people to just sit in their chair and check a box and things like that. And I'm not against anybody, but the problem with that is it doesn't require faith. Faith always requires an action. When Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, he said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you. Jesus said, come. And Peter swung his hairy leg over the side of the boat and stepped on water and became the first human being that wasn't God to walk on water like concrete. Now the other 11, they were in the boat. They didn't come out of the boat. They did not walk on water. And you know, Peter reminded them of that quite frequently after that. Every time something came up where they're, they're like, Peter, you just think you're all that. Yeah, yeah. Who was the one that walked on water? Uh-huh. He, he was probably like, yeah, John, where were you when I was walking on water? You were a little scaredy cat sitting up in the boat, no faith. And John was like, yeah, but I seem to remember you sinking too. Faith requires action, action. Now, sometimes that action is as simple as saying out loud, Lord, I believe. 
And it, yet it can be so hard. Lord, I know in my journey of faith, I've got a little saying that I say now. This is my action of faith. Sometimes when I begin to feel symptoms in my body, I begin facing something, something's going on, and the devil's just screaming at me. His lies, his accusations against God, God's not good, God's not going to heal you, look at you, you're battling this, blah, 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 blah. I just got one statement I say over and over again. And I, I don't even address the devil. I don't even talk to the devil. I just say, Lord, your word is true. That's my action. Your word is true. Lord, your word is true. By your stripes, I'm healed. There's a verse in Psalm chapter 30, verse 2, that's just gripped my heart this year. It says, oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. In fact, could they, could y'all put up that Psalm 30, verse 2? I may be putting you guys in a bind. I hope not. That's what preachers do to the technical arts. They they, they make impossible demands. Psalm 30, verse 2. I want you to see it. Oh, Lord, my God, in the ESV, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. And sometimes I can't get all of that out. Sometimes all I can get out is your word is true. Four words, your word is true. Your word is true. Your word is true. Jesus, your word is true. That's my act of faith. You know, that works for just about anything. Whatever it is, I said, there are many things you may be believing God for. But I don't care if you can't remember a scripture. Not, you know, I'm not the best at memorizing scripture. I've tried to memorize a lot of scripture. I'm very familiar with the scripture, but I, it's just not something that I, I, I find easy to do. But I can remember your word is true. There it is right there. You see it? Oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. Now, I, I want you just, let's just read that together out loud. I want you to say it out loud. Don't think it. You got to say it. God didn't think, let there be light. He said. There's only power when you speak something. Let's say it out loud. Oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you might heal me. Oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help. And if I hold my tongue just right, like Michael Jordan, you might heal me. No, you have. You know what my favorite word in that whole verse is? Have. What did I tell you? God's done everything he's going to do for you. By his stripes, it doesn't say any other word, but were healed, past tense. We got to receive it. So I say, Lord, your word is true. I feel symptoms in my body. I, I have things going, I have to go to a treatment. I have to go to a doctor's office. I, I, I met with a doctor on Friday, and he was giving me this big old baloney report 
And, and they, they get upset with me because I don't receive it. And they think I'm questioning their credibility. But you cannot explain to an unbeliever the things of the Spirit. You just can't do it. So I'm respectful. I, I, I try to be. <laughs> and so he, he kept going on and on because he was sensing that I wasn't having what he was saying. So he just kept talking. And so finally he kind of, I guess, just ran out of steam. And he said, sir, are you going to do that? I said, no. And he's like, why not? I said, because I'm healed. I'm healed. The word says I'm healed. I receive it. I'm calling those things that are not as though they were. He can't understand that. He doesn't understand about Abraham being 99 years old and Sarah's womb was dead and his body was as good as dead and him saying, get the nursery ready. We're having a son. Can you imagine going to old Abraham's house? He's 99, Sarah's 89. And taking a tour of his house. He was a wealthy guy, had a big old mansion. Going around, then you get to this area, and they say, now this is the baby wing. You're thinking, oh, you, that's so sweet. You, you must have a lot of great grandkids. No, no. Oh, well, maybe you have grandchildren? No. Well, who is this far? Well, Sarah and I are expecting. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, that was me and my wife, and we went over to somebody's house, and they were 99 and 89, talking about we having a baby. I tell you, baby, get your stuff. We, <laughs> we leaving. We certainly ain't eating anything. This 99-year-old dude thinks he's about to have a baby. Who knows what's going on in the kitchen? Think about it. Think about it. This is the God that we serve. And he doesn't do things differently. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a faith God. He's always been a faith God. He'll always be a faith God. His greatest obsession is being believed. Did you know that? God's greatest obsession is being believed. That He demands it. You, you cannot be his friend if you don't believe him. Say, well, as soon as I see him, I'll believe him. Well, guess what? That ain't going to ever happen. I love the words, and I'm closing with this. Jesus told Thomas, he said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen. Touch these wounds in my hand and in my side. Feel this, right? He said, you believe because you've seen. But blessed are those, that's us, we're blessed, who believe, who have not seen. I hadn't, I hadn't seen the nail scars in his hand. I haven't seen the wound in his side. I believe those scars are still there. We'll see them when we get to eternity. The Lamb of God will be there. But you know what? You won't get there if you don't believe they're there now. Think about it. This whole thing is built on faith. That's, that's, that's how that, and, and he said, well, how do we know? Because we have his word 
and we know his love for us. Let's bow our heads. You guys have been awesome. What a privilege to talk to you tonight. Now, I, I could teach 50 Sunday nights in a row on this. This, this is my life's work. This is, this is my, my life's journey, my life's adventure. And different people have different roles in the body. They teach on different things. But I'm telling you this right here. I'm, I, just, I just gave you the first sniff of the first bite of this tonight. Because you know what? We are all on a journey of faith. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, let's just praise the Lord for a minute. Lord, we just praise you. We worship you. We honor you tonight. We give you glory for everything you've done and what you're doing, what you're going to do. Lord, we say it's not us. It's all you. Lord, I thank you. You have, have raised up this house as a house of miracles. That grace place is a place, it's like an oasis in the desert. It is a place of refreshing, a place of cooling, a a place of abundance. And I thank you, Lord, that you have great things in store for Grace Place Church. Lord, bless the Benson family, bless the Sanzivarinos. Lord, bless them. I speak protection and health and favor over them. I thank you that every need is met that the vision that is in this house is met with total provision. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody in agreement said, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor Sean, bless God. Hallelujah.